Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. The state is suing the city of Elk Grove for allegedly using discriminatory housing practices to deny a proposed affordable housing project. KQED's Aditi Bunlamudi reports. Elk Grove City Council denied a 67-unit supportive housing project last July because it didn't meet the city's objective standards. A month before, the city had unanimously approved a similar project in the same area for exclusively market-rate housing. Attorney General Rob Bontis says that's wrong. The main difference between the two projects is that one creates fewer homes at a higher price, the other creates more homes that are more affordable. In fact, Elk Grove even admitted that its, quote, objective standard isn't really objective. The lawsuit states Elk Grove's actions violate a myriad of state laws, including SB 35, the Housing Accountability Act, and fair housing laws, and seeks to force the city to approve the project through legal action. In a statement, Mayor Bobby Singh Allen said the city is not a bad actor and invites the attorney general's office in further dialogue to reach a resolution. For The California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. Did you know when California communities plan new housing, they don't have to take the size of their unhoused population into consideration? Well, a new bill advancing through the state legislature could change that. CalMatters homelessness reporter Marisa Kendall reports. The state has a special formula it uses to help make sure cities have enough affordable and market rate housing. Vacancy rates, overcrowding, and population growth are all considered. But when it comes to homeless housing, those rules don't apply. And there's often a huge gap between the number of beds and the number of unhoused people in our communities. For example, L.A. County has roughly 20,000 shelter beds to support its nearly 70,000 unhoused residents. Senate Bill 7 wants to bridge those gaps. Cities that don't take the number of unhoused residents into account when they plan for homeless shelters and permanent housing could face fines and lawsuits. If the bill passes, the state would be asked to create a fund to support homeless housing. But with California facing a deficit this year, it's unclear if that money would materialize. That was CalMatters reporter Marisa Kendall. Hollywood writers are on strike after talks over how they should be compensated in the streaming era have failed. Writers say they're working longer hours and for less pay and can't rely on residual income like they used to in the days of broadcast TV. It's unclear how long the walkout could last, but it's expected to bring TV production to a halt across Southern California. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, the political scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following the political scene available now wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Jason Flom. And you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home. If you want to be part of this work, listen to Wrongful Conviction. The podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories. How do you send someone innocent to prison? Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, the construction industry in California wants to hire more women to meet a shortage of skilled workers. But access to childcare is keeping many of these women from joining the trades. KQED's Daisy Wynn explains why. At a construction training center in Pleasanton, Tamara Hayward and 10 other women are hammering in a lumber yard. They're about to graduate from a boot camp for carpentry. But before they can finish, they have to show mastery of nailing a window frame. It's like butter now. We know how to do it, how to operate the hammer correctly. For six grueling weeks, Hayward has been driving 90 miles from her home in Sacramento to this center. She would spend the day learning how to use tools and machinery safely and then drive back to work the night shift at an Amazon warehouse. Sometimes she delivers food for DoorDash to make ends meet. While she's away, she relies on family members to look after her three children, a 12-month-old baby and two older kids who are 4 and 15. So I've got someone different watching my kids every single day, and I'm struggling paycheck to paycheck right now. California is trying to get women like Hayward to break into the male-dominated construction industry by promoting apprenticeships that will lead to better-paying jobs. The industry itself needs hundreds of thousands of skilled workers to replace older ones who are retiring. But only 3.5% of people enrolled in these types of apprenticeships are women. Katie Hagen is the director of the California Department of Industrial Relations. If you've talked to women in the industry, they will likely share the challenge of finding affordable and accessible childcare as a significant barrier. That's why builders are supporting legislation that would invest in more child care. Andrew Meredith is the president of the State Building and Construction Trades Council. He says construction workers often go to job sites before dawn, so they need child care during non-traditional hours. In the valley where it gets over 100 degrees during the summer, a lot of our construction job sites pivot to starting at 6 o'clock in the morning. Women are actually, you know, looking for programs that can take their children at 5 or 5.30 in the morning or, God forbid, even sometimes earlier than that. Meanwhile, the state is giving $25 million in grants. A big part of that will cover the cost of child care for women starting their careers in construction. Tamara Hayward says that money will help her get through the next phase of her training. She'll be on call when a construction job comes up, and she'll earn enough money in this one job. She also won't have to rely on family to watch her kids, and childcare will be subsidized. Two years of receiving a childcare stipend will allow me to save two years of income that I would have taken away from my household for childcare, you know, and, and I want to buy a house, so I'm also going to be able to save money to buy a house for my children. On the final day of the boot camp, Hayward said she woke up early, prepared bottles of milk for her baby, and got in her car. I just finished giving her the last of the last of the breast milk that I made. But I remind myself 
the reason why I come to this program is so that I don't have to continue the cycle of struggle. She says her kids and the promise of a better future motivate her to keep going. For The California Report, I'm Daisy Nguyen in Pleasanton. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at the early education workforce and how their low pay is affecting parents' access to child care. Support for The California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org slash lbca. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, May 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Marie Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. I'm Jason Flom, and you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home. If you want to be part of this work, listen to Wrongful Conviction. The podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories. How do you send someone innocent to prison? Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.